classic 80s metal. Symphonic death metal opera. But I've got to be in the mood to listen to Black Sabbath. Many of our listeners weren't even born then. Back for its time, it was very progressive. I can see there are thrash elements. You are a metal paradox. A stunning vision of death metal. I would listen to it over and over and over again today. It just seems so dated. I hear this more as operatic and goth. Florianson will surpass Halford as the iconic heavy metal singer. You're listening to The Great Metal Debate Podcast. Welcome, everyone, to the Great Metal Debate Podcast, where we argue about everything heavy metal. I'm your host, Robert, a.k.a. Gaum Thog Metallicus, and straight out of the hot tub time machine, we have my co-host, Mr. Nostalgia Metal, Brian. Uh, Brian, man, it's good to be back, back to throw down for another episode. Absolutely, man. I haven't crushed your stupid logic in a long time. I think it's time we... Uh, we get at it, man. I think we've got some good topics to do it on. Uh, uh, it'll be interesting to see your take on a couple of these, man. And so uh, good to be back in the new year and the new jam. Let's get to it, bud. My new year started out unexpectedly early, man. The second weekend of January, I went to a show just uh, about 20 miles from where I live in rural Kentucky. Went to see the band Blood Curse. Oh, cool, man. From what I've heard of this band, I really like what I'm hearing, man. How was the show? I had not seen this band or even heard of them before out of Caneyville, Kentucky, a smaller town than even the one that I live in. Yeah, Caneyville. I know that place. You don't get much more rural. I mean, unless you're talking Appalachia, Uh in western Kentucky, you don't get much more rural Kentucky than Caneyville. I'm fairly sure when you and I were younger, we got drunk and lost, ended up in Caneyville one night. But that may be a different podcast. Dude! You're right. I had totally forgotten about that. We did get <laughs> I, lost I, and end up in Katyville. I think that's the night that the famous phrase, don't listen to the drunk people while you're driving, came into play. Man, I had totally forgotten about that. That is right. Back in the awful 80s when we were listening to terrible music from awful musicians. you got to be careful, dude. Blood Curse has a little bit of an 80s feel to it, man. I really, I kind of like this band. Man, they do. I was impressed by Blood Curse, I'll admit. Despite their classic thrash metal sound, they were an impressive band, a three-piece outfit. They really brought the energy, was impressed by their stage presence, good sound, and they couldn't have been nicer speaking with them after the show. Looking forward to what this band comes up with going forward. Hopefully, they'll be able to produce a full-length album sometime soon. Yeah, although, you know, I mean... With a band name like Blood Curse, I, I wish they weren't nice. I wish they would have given you some sort of septic, uh, you know, uh, plague type thing. But, you know, you know, uh, sticking in the vein of the metal. But anyway, I, I really love this band, man. And you sent me a particular song of theirs to listen to, which kind of got me started. So here is Blood Curse with Her Spell. <laughs>
Kentucky Witch Hunters Blood Curse from Caneyville, Kentucky, playing classic thrash metal. Find them out on bandcamp.com. And if you are in the Chicago area in May, check them out at the Legions of Metal Fest, along with a number of other great bands, including friends of the podcast, Savage Master. You know, dude, it's amazing that you say that. When I listened to this band, I thought, this sounds a little like Savage Master. They both have that just sort of raw energy thrash. I, I really enjoyed this, and uh, it's very cool that you said that, because I thought that too. You know, Brian, I am not a fan of American, especially U.S. metal. That said, I go to bat for some of the Kentucky metal bands, including Blood Curse and Savage Master, those bands put together some impressive metal from here in rural America. Definitely, man. I get garage band, pull ourselves up by our bootstraps, and turn them into leather thongs. You know, that kind of feel for it. I, I really enjoy it. I think there's something about the Bible Belt that brings out the best in metal bands. Yeah, I think with these bands, they may turn that into a leather belt and then beat you with it. But uh, I get your point. So, Brian... We didn't talk about my experience back in late 2017, late last year, where I attended the Louisville Death Fest. Dude, I've been waiting to talk about this because I understand it was quite the cluster F. So I went to this show, Louisville Death Fest, had not been to that fest, which I think had been going on for two or three years before. An impressive roster, including friends of the podcast, and Ignorisist, who was the headliner for that Friday evening yeah. show that I was going to. A bunch of good bands, including our great friends, Your Chance to Die of South Carolina, playing that evening. Yeah, I mean, and, and there's there's been good chatter about past Louisville Death Fest shows. So I was a little surprised at how this all went down. I knew something was amiss. I mean, you always know when you go to a metal show that things might be running a little bit behind, but... You know, I got there late because I came after work that Friday, and I waited around another hour. Like, the first band should have already been midway through their set, and that band didn't get on stage until almost an hour, hour and a half after I had arrived. And I could just tell that there was something off with the feel, that you could just feel, even though I didn't talk with anyone about the specifics of what was going on behind the scenes, Something was amiss that evening. Yeah, I mean, I looked at a lot of the chatter on the Facebook posts after the show, and there was some hostile freaking people over that Death Fest, man. And so for folks who haven't read about this, Louisville Death Fest, apparently the promoter for that event, for whatever reason, essentially skipped out, failed to pay the bands, and indeed wouldn't have even paid the venue except... A group of metal fans who were basically invested uh, in this event going off yeah. went to this person's home and <laughs> sought them out and said, hey, man, we need money to get the venue to stay open for to continue this fest. Otherwise, they're going to shut us out. Man, that sucks, dude. That's just low rent. Oh, man. And what is impressive to me, Brian, is you know you have bands like Friends of the podcast, Amiensis, out of Minnesota, who uh, traveled hours and hours and hours to come down to Louisville to play in this fest. They went away without anything. Like, literally, 
They sold some merch, but otherwise weren't reimbursed in the least for their participation in this. They were essentially paying out of pocket in a big way to play for a few fans in Louisville, Kentucky. Yeah, I mean, you know, Anvil had this uh, documentary uh, on, and and they played a lot of small venues trying to get back in the scene, and and they ran into this all the time. You know, promoters refusing to pay them or saying, okay, we'll give you what's at the door, you know, 20% of it. And it was a huge hassle. And you know, you just know it happens all the time, especially with smaller bands that are looking to, to get out there. Promoters know they can dick you over, and so they're going to do it. I had a chance to interview the guys in Amiensis after that event occurred. And I asked them very directly, you're like, how should a promoter deal with that if they're going into the night before a show like that? And they understand that they're essentially underwater as far as making money in a show. They're going to lose money. Like, how should they interact with a band? And I, I think their message was, don't do what this Jagoff did. Don't just skip out. Like, at least be honest. They said essentially, you know what, we would have been pissed but if the promoter had approached us and said, hey, man, I don't have the money to pay you, they would have at least respected the promoter coming and being honest with them in, instead of just skipping out. Like, I think there's a level of respect and understanding. Bands understand that promoters are taking a risk and that, you know, sometimes there just may not be any money there. They just want you to be honest and forthright and try to work together to make the best out of a, a bad situation. In this case, the promoter made the worst out of a bad situation. He sure did. You know, I think they threatened him with violence at one point, man. I mean, it was it was really bad. It actually brings to mind like a really important question about the the current music scene. There, you know, there's not no more uh, metal arena bands, you know, unless you're already super known back when music was good from my day. And so, like, what do you do? Do you what? Do you pay a buttload of money up front to promote? And if you do and you get screwed, you lose that. Do you make no promotion and word of mouth it? I think you have to have an ingenious marketing plan that uses the free social media these days. And if you don't do that, I don't think you have a chance to make money on stuff like this. I, I just don't see how you could go into it that stupid about it. Well, that's the thing. The music today is so much better than the shitty sounds that 80s bands produced back in the day. And yet bands are struggling to even make ends meet in today's market because there's such a plethora of bands, such an amazing amount of things pulling people's attention and dollars away. It's very difficult very difficult so much more difficult than back in the 80s for a band to even break even yeah that's probably what it is uh, it has nothing to do with the music sucks these days it's everything to do with the promotion because you know back in the 80s they didn't make much money either <laughs> people went to shows in the 80s that's my point oh my god man the 80s were the worst the worst kind of douchebags who would go to shows and of course, at that point, there were just a few bands who were supported by these mega record companies who were in league with the the record stores. You know, you had bands like Motley Crue and Vixen. Oh, so good. So oh, good. So terrible. You know, Man, and, you know, well, you know, I just, you know, uh, you make a good point, except for the fact that those bands made lots of money and played to lots of people. 
Back then, the promoters, when they were going to screw people over, were good at it. Even the bad, sucky promoters were better in the 80s because they screwed people out of millions of dollars and still played the shows. And the sad thing is, there are still people getting screwed by buying that awful music from the 80s. Oh, well, you know that song by Bon Jovi, You Give Love a Bad Name. I think that this dude gave metal a bad name. Oh, my God. Hard, I know you know hard that song. rockers like Bon Jovi. That's, that's the epitome of your kind of faux metal, which is really hard rock. I know you I know you love that song. It's okay. You can you, we'll just keep it to ourselves. That's all right. But yeah, suffice to say the the death the death fest uh, out of Louisville apparently sucked because of the promotion, which sucks because there were so many good bands. And sucks because I think the the metal scene in Louisville is actually a very healthy scene. Like there are a bunch of good bands and good metal fans in Louisville and I would just I would plead with people, don't give up on Louisville, Kentucky. Like, that's a good place for metal. Don't let the fact that this one jerk-off who uh, screwed bands over sour people on coming to Louisville to play metal. Agreed, man. Louisville is an excellent metal scene. A lot of genres, a lot of varieties, a lot of talent. And and, and I hope that people will just continue to look there uh, because – if the if the show had come off like it was supposed to, it would have been an awesome death fest. Well, speaking of awesome music, we're going to listen to a track by Etheric, Serpents Beneath the Shrine. <laughs>
You just heard the track Serpents Beneath the Shrine by Etheric, melodic death meddlers from Minnesota. Their debut full-length release, Serpents Beneath the Shrine, is available on CD and digital download at ethericmn.bandcamp.com. So, dude, you know how I have a definition of I love metal that grabs you by the balls and pulls you along? I think that Etheric and Serpents Beneath the Shrine, they don't grab you by the balls and pull you along. They grab you by the balls and start pounding those balls with a giant sledgehammer. I felt like I was being beat up the entire time I listened to this, and I loved it. Excellent song. So I want to talk about something I've been watching on YouTube. I, you know, I'm, I love concert footage. I love when you know bands make mistakes and they make a joke out of it and they play around with it. So I'm going through these YouTube pics, and I see... Danzig at a at a show and he freaking freaks out on somebody like holding up a phone and taking a picture. I mean, how can you be that gigantic of a dick because someone wants to idolize you and to memorize you and to make something you do memorable? I, I just don't understand it. Do you do you understand the photo policy for bands like that? Yeah, to, to let people in. The band Danzig has instituted a photo policy at their concert, which is basically you can't bring in a cell phone or any sort of mechanism to take photos during their set. I'm assuming other than professional photographers who have been licensed uh, to do so. So essentially any photos that come out of a Danzig concert, they're not by the average fan they're by some professional photographer who's there probably being paid to do so. And, Brian, to me, that's the biggest deal about this that really infuriates me, that somehow we would privilege the person who cares nothing about the music but is just there as a job to take photos over the yes. fan who actually cares about, loves the music, that they would be prohibited from taking photos of the band they adore. It just burns my ass that a band would have that disconnect with their fans. I can't imagine what the the thinking is behind this. Do they think they're going, people are making money off their, their images? Are they worried they're going to catch them getting their nose picked or something like that? I mean, what what is what is the point? Why are you so pissy about someone taking your picture? If you get distracted by someone holding up a phone at a show, get another line of work, man, because it is just insane to be this dickish about something so small. Now, I totally understand a band opining, and I think maybe rightly that there are some fans who miss out on the concert experience by holding up their phone the whole time and just continually taking photos or video. Like, I understand if, if I'm a musician, I'm like, dude, you know, take a few photos, take a video of maybe a song or two. But other than that, like, just watch our show. We are good. Like, I, I understand someone pushing back against that. But to enact a policy that literally is just about, hey, we're going to reward the professional photographers and say, you, the common fan or shit, I mean, that is so anathema to the spirit of metal. Put your phone down and watch the show. So some dumbass, you know, wants to look at the show, the entire show that way. I, you know, that's their problem, but not that many people do it. it I, I just don't get it. 
that young dude, that little 14-year-old dude listening to Danzig is going to take that picture and get it blown up and put it on his wall, and he's going to buy albums, and he's going to watch videos, and he's going to support his advertisers, and he's probably going to buy merchandise, and he's just saying, you know, go to hell. My image is me. and it, It's totally and completely against anything that I would ever act like. So I agree. Danzig, you know, go screw yourself. But don't tell him I said that because he's like a tough dude. And, you know, anyway. Dude, I have been in the photo pit Yeah. with professional photographers. I mean, I'm not hating. Like, some of them are okay people. Like, they're nice people. But what I don't see is what I see out in the crowd. I don't see those photographers pumping their fists, yeah. singing along. They're not fans. They're the ones who should have to be paying to be there, not the ones who are paid to be there. Exactly, man. You know, if I was a guy that incited violence, we might be able to do something about this. But, you know, you know me, I'm law and order all the way. So I will gladly leave my phone. Trust me, Danzig, I'm not taking jack shit pictures of you anymore. Well, here's a picture of some outstanding metal, Brian. This song by the band Oknos off their album Old World from 2017. The title track, Old World.
hailing from Hanover, Germany. Oknos are a symphonic metal outfit whose debut full-length album, Old World, released independently in 2017. Learn more about this amazing band at www.ognos.eu. Ognos, man, I you know I got to give it to you guys. I liked it. I loved the guitars and the the drums and almost every aspect of this song, man. The singing, amazing singer. Brian, going into 2018, I am so excited about the number of great metal shows and albums that are coming up for us. Oh my gosh, man. 2018 is going to be my year for concerts. I'm going to make up for in 2018 what I did not see in 2017. Brian, I saw more than a dozen concerts last year. I'm going to better that this year as well. And not just in quantity, but also quality. So many great concerts. I've got coming up just this March, Nightwish on their Decades Tour, playing classic Nightwish tracks. Then in April, Camelot, Blaine, and Battle Beast. And Brian... The thing that I'm so excited about, in September, I'm going to freaking Prague Power USA in Atlanta to see Tarja Tarunen. Wow. I mean, that has probably got to be one of the best operas anybody's ever going to do that whole year. It is. Opera metal rules. But you know what, dude? I'm excited, too. I mean, bands like, you know, coming up in 2018 with tours and albums, Nightwish and Therian and Camelot and... And Ex Libris, I mean, oh, wait, no, hang on. That's the shit I don't want to see. I'm talking about corrosion of conformity, anvil, loudness, Saxon, destroyer, six, six, six. And bands like, just think of these words. What comes to mind? Priest, suicidal, ex mortis. I'm talking about real metal in 2018, dude. I can't wait. I'm going to go see War of Ages on the 20th. That's that's the 20th uh, best album on my list. I'm going to go see Terror, one of my honorable mentions. I I can't wait. This is going to be an awesome year for concerts. And are you going to get to see any metal shows? Well, you mean like uh, you, you're talking about like Ex Libris, uh, the PBS channel metal band? Is that what you're talking about? <laughs> I'm talking about real metal, man. Like NPR radio metal, you know? This is uh, this is uh, Gomthog from Britain coming at you live with Nightwish. Nightwish, what do you feel about metal? Oh, I feel great. I love metal, but I don't like to play it on the guitar. From Britain, at least that's a little closer to Europe where actual metal lives. Oh, my gosh. I hope that every American metal fan sends. Okay, listen. If you're listening and watching the Great Metal Debate right now, I need you to do something for me. All the Great Metal Debate fans... I need you to take a picture flipping off Gomfog and post it on the Facebook page so he can understand that there are way more of us than there are of him and that we're the ones that really appreciate metal. I'm going to call it Fingers Up for Gomfog Across America. Let's get it done. I'll start and put the first one up tonight. True metal fans will know that I speak the truth, that metal is from Europe, and that yeah. that is where we should look for our true metal input. I think what you meant to say was true metal fans will play the flute and dance around a small statue of stone. Did, did, did you just describe the scene? <laughs> I so that is exactly what I just did. It was the best insult to metal I could come oh up my with. Goodness. 
The problem was that Stonehenge was in danger of being crushed by a fucking dwarf. I love that line. Well, man, we have one more metal track to play for you. This one from 2007 by Astart. This is Queen of the Damned. Well, you astart it, and I will jam to it.
That's it for this episode. Before we go, a reminder you can access all our content from iTunes, SoundCloud, and YouTube, including debate shows, artist interviews, fan casts, and album reviews. Plus, we're present on social media via Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search using the keyword Metal Debate to find us online. Until our next podcast, sell your soul for metal and defend it till your dying day. Thank you.